Welcome back to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. Welcome back to Hashtag Single. I'm Jeanette Bonnie, your host, and I'm so excited that you're here with me today for a brand new one-on-one session with a badass, hot, independent, sexy as fuck, single female. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, I have my friend Lauren with me today. Lauren, thank you so much for being on the oh, podcast. Oh, it's amazing to be here. What an introduction. <laughs> Everybody should be introduced that way. I want Seriously. you to introduce can me I that reco- way. Can I, I say, can I record that? Obviously, it's being recorded, but can I take that and yes. like just put that as like my entrance introduction for like all my Zoom meetings? Put like, that, that shit would on be LinkedIn. Great. Like have that Seriously. be your yeah. tagline. A little, a little Drum roll. <laughs> and uh, we have as the voice of the patriarchy today, Lauren's friend, Neil. Neil, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy. So I haven't met Neil before, um, and I know it's so strange. We're just sort of voices in each other's heads, but Lauren and I have been trying to do get together and do this podcast episode for a really long time, right, Lauren? Yes, yes, a very long time. Yeah, so I'm so excited we finally made it happen. I say made it happen like it's hard, like we have, yeah. <laughs> like, like we have things pan- on our schedule right now. <laughs> it, o- it only took a pandemic. <laughs> I know, right? So, um, Neil, you've uh, been acquainted with the rules of the podcast as the voice of the patriarchy. Um, yes, we I'm need very you. familiar to take a back seat um, for a little while. Uh, Lauren and I are going to dish about her single life and then at some point we'll check in with you and just see how things resonate and if they feel true or false or if you want to add anything in and we'll go from there. How's that sound? I will sit here quietly and listen and judge. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like a great, true great, patriarchal great. figure. Love it. <laughs> awesome. Um, Lauren, let's freaking go. Um, you know how I start the podcast. We, we just got to start at ground zero. So you got to tell me, how's your single life going, my friend? Uh, pretty single. Uh, I, I'm sort of an interesting time in my life that uh, before this really had nothing to do with the, the pandemic. So it's sort of an, an interesting thing um, about like late 2013 2014 um i was diagnosed with a autoimmune disease based on some other health issues that were happening um so there was a really long section where i i just couldn't date uh particularly because i was diagnosed with crohn's which is uh, a food issue so it became well i can't go out to dinner with anyone because anything that i eat is going to make me sick or I'm not feeling well enough to go anywhere where they you know, let alone the idea of like, just they're not being food. Um, I remember once, cause uh, the thing with Crohn's is that there, there definitely are like highs and lows. Most of 2016 was gone for me. I was only on liquids. Um, so it just made d- dating very, uh, difficult. And so I was finally at a point where I was like, okay, my med, my new, my, the meds I'm on are working really great. I feel wonderful. I'm going to return to my life. <laughs> make plans. Right. Um, and so 
but to be honest, like I also was shocked that people are starting to date now. Um, so I, I don't know, you know, um, maybe we can talk about that. <laughs> did you, did you take a break from, what did you say? 2016 to 2019? No, I would say like, even like two, like mid 2014, mid to late Whoa. 2014. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's been, a, I've been single for a very long time. Now I've had a couple of dates like in between that, but when you are in a lot of pain or, you know, your health can go up and down, it is sort of hard to explain that to somebody and that you're not just like blowing them off because you're not feeling well, quote unquote, you know, um, 2016 was just a complete wash where I was in, uh, I was unfortunately on a medication that was not working. And what they do is they make you stay on it for six months. so They can prove that it's not working. And then once they realize that, then you have a couple of months of like scheduling um, a colonoscopy and like all of this stuff. So really it ends up being almost a year that you're in this pain because they can't take you off the medication. And not only like, not only is it disruptive to the flow of dating, it's really just you, pri you reprioritize your life, you know? So if your priority becomes your health and your well-being, like you're not thinking like, oh, I need to like meet some stranger on OkCupid, you know, like partnership obviously is is a high value for people but i think if you counted or asked people like i think health trumps partnership yeah most of the time yeah I think but so. also you know you you get very lonely and so uh, this quarantine kind of makes me laugh because i've been preparing for this for a very long time this just is really what my life was before without the pain and you know which is nice which is nice it's a bit of a step um and in fact i remember once I, uh, cause here's the thing also, dating apps just really aren't for me. Like I, it's oh, really, honey, they I are not the, for anybody. <laughs> um, okay. That's good to know. I mean, but I mean like really, like I just like, um, I've recently, um, in the last year or so been like, uh, talking with my therapist about the fact that I'm probably like uh, demisexual, that like, I really need to like get to know someone. I know that I know people will laugh at demisexual, but like, I, I have, I've done a lot of research and it really, really feels like what is me. Like I always felt like I would have been like Diane Keaton if I had worked more as an actor where I would just have relationships with every single person I was uh, like in, uh, in a, in a relationship with, you know, on screen, you know what I mean? Like, or like, I don't want to say Warren Beatty, but like, if you look at <laughs> Diane Keaton, she literally fell in love with every single one of her romantic co-stars. <laughs> in including Jack Nicholson, but he was like, no, sorry, you're not my type. Um, because, you know, he likes the young girls. Uh, but hey, uh, so sure that's like just a part of it, but it's just never been a thing for me. Like I would have like a really great conversation with someone that would meet them in person and like not feel chemistry at all. I mean, I, there's a, a lot of different, you know, nuances to the story, obviously. But one of the last dates that I went on through an online, I was going to call it service, God, when am I like 80? Um, <laughs> an app. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's the air conditioning isn't on in my apartment. I'm already like probably my brain stroke. is dying. Yeah. yeah. Sorry guys. You can cut that out. Anyway. Um, on the apps, uh, was I actually like a really great conversation with somebody and I felt comfortable enough to say, Hey, I've been going through this health issue and really explained it. And I was really excited for this date and we go on this date. And of course he was really nothing like the chemistry that we had um, on, you know, text. But the weird thing was he kept pushing me to eat foods that I shouldn't have been eating. At one point he's like, oh, you should try this escargot. And I was like, oh no, I really shouldn't. 
uh and he's like what live a little like well no like i explained to you like because of my issue unfortunately like this is a food that i really shouldn't be eating right now i've never had it before and he went ah so you throw up oh okay well that's wrong from the start like anybody that doesn't respect your boundaries especially ones that you've expressed verbally beforehand is like a hard no from the beginning absolutely so it was very easy for you know no second date um but it was just interesting to me that like, I, that was someone I actually like actually explained like fully because I felt comfortable before the day and still was like, I don't understand. I was like, no, I'll be in so much pain. I'll have to leave. Not I'm going to vomit, but thanks. <laughs> um, it was very strange. That's mm, thumbs down yeah, all yeah. around <laughs> for me. Let's go back to like 2014, like right okay. before you were diagnosed and you like sort of took your hiatus, if you will. What was the dating status? Like, what was your dating life like that you left in 2014? I mean, I think it wasn't really great. Uh, I, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I had a lot of those sort of, you know, I don't know how I can explain it. Like, uh, near misses. Does that make sense? Like, I'm trying to think about those, like, Craigslist um, posts that no, people, no. like, missed connections. Do you mean well, like that? Well, like I said, like, I, I tend to, like, get crushes on people who are, like, my friends or people that, like, I get to know. And so I have a lot of those situations. It's, it, or the, or sort of the opposite. Like, I was telling someone this story once how, um, and this was, oh, a while ago, but like an example of sort of the the black and white of the people that I would date would either be like really super into me or like not like, oh, well, we can like fool around, but like, I don't want to see you out in the daylight kind of a thing. Or like, I'm so into you. It is actually a little scary. <laughs> yeah. So you were um, having just like a lot of you guys were both kind of it seems like the people you were meeting, you guys were just not on the same page. Exactly. Yeah. It was a lot of that. Um, so but that's just um, like dating in general, I feel like. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. You know, so I, it's like, I really honestly have not been in that many long-term relationships in my life because, you know, almost all of my thirties was being sick. And then I was in grad school. So there was sort of that small window of like my late twenties, early thirties of dating life not 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 a huge app person not necessarily like a big drinker um there there aren't as many stories as i wish there were but I, but examples of like that just sort of make me laugh are things like <laughs> the guy who on the first date rented like a car and i don't mean like to drive i mean like with a driver before Uber. oh hell yes took me to a restaurant, uh, bought me tickets to a movie I'd always wanted to see, like an old movie I'd always wanted to see. Uh, uh, during dinner, I was like, oh, what time does the movie start? Um, I think uh, maybe we should go. And he's like, oh, we missed it. I just enjoyed talking to you so much. And then never called me again. I mean, listen, that's just like the fuckery that we deal with, like without yeah. dating. No, no, no. And you, I'm always sort of amazed by you, Jeanette, because uh, the per capita dates that you go on makes me feel like I'm not trying hard enough, which honestly is also my mother's, you know, I'm, I'm a nice Jewish girl. And so that's also my mother's voice in my head. Like you're not going out on enough dates. (laughs) Well, there's two things to that one. And if you listen to the podcast long enough, um, I have, I, you would have heard this story before. But um, there was a time where my friend Scott, 
he, he believes in the it's a numbers game philosophy, which I don't agree oh, with. Oh, totally. Oh, okay. So he challenged me. I was going on. Also, I've been uh, accused of being too, quote unquote, picky, which is also something Same. I have an issue with. And so I said, I will, instead of it being perfect, I will just go and meet the person in person. And um, so I, I challenged myself at first just to go on one date a month with someone I had started talking to. And then when that really didn't result in anything all year, my friend Scott told me to double it and try to go on two dates a month. <laughs> oh, I didn't, re- I must've missed this episode. I didn't realize that. That's I, so interesting. Yeah. Good for you though, for like going, sure. Well, I challenge it was, you. It was an experience. It was like an experiment. You know what I mean? Like, and all of dating is an experiment because like, a, I think a lot of us are finding, well, this doesn't work and this doesn't work and this doesn't work. So you can't eventually just be like, well, you know, across the board app dating doesn't work or dating in New York doesn't work or, you know what I mean? Whatever sort of grand total statement you're going to make, you have to at some point be curious and say, what can I do differently? Oh, agreed. You know? So that's the only reason, like, I, it looks like I was, I'm just sort of pick myself back up again time and time again, because, and, but let me tell you, having doing that, having done that for two years, I did not like it and I stopped. So you know, See, we're back to few and far between. That's the thing, right? Because you're, you're going away from sort of what is you. Like, um, I I remember doing an experiment where there was a while where I wasn't, I, I, I was a little older and I wasn't getting as many hits and uh, I look much younger than I am. And so I thought, let me just do an experiment because I, I usually date people who are about like eight years younger than me, because that's like, you know, about 10 years or so is how much younger I look, but they weren't responding to any of my online profiles because I was, I was uncomfortable lying about my age. Cause I feel like that was starting with a lie. So, but I thought, let me just try an experiment. And I changed my age. And of course, and it was still only like, I changed it to 32 and I still got like, like three times as many hits from people because of it. But I really felt uncomfortable because I thought, well, now I'm starting a relationship with a lie. Whereas usually when I, I the more, most people that I've dated is people I've met in person, which is another reason about being sick. You're not meeting as people in, as many people in person anymore as you were because you're not going out as much. Uh, they, they, it's not an issue because age doesn't usually come up for a while. And you're not lying. They just make an assumption. I mean, when I was 27, I accidentally dated someone who was 18. No, I'm sorry, 19. He was 19. I love that you accidentally dated him. I did. I did. Um, he was actually, he was 19 now that I think about it. He was 19. He He's was like, legal. He's legal. He was totally legal. Um, he had a full on like beard because he was doing Shakespeare. And the way he talked about his school, it sounded like a grad school. Just uh-huh. the way he was talking about it. So I thought, oh, okay. Like he, like I graduated from grad school a couple years. He's probably like, you know, a couple, like two years younger than me or something like that. Um, and no. Uh, no, he was, he was a, a freshman or a sophomore or something, um, but a really great kisser. There's um, no shame in that story. <laughs> it was lovely. Um, but, but you know, it's not something that really people make assumptions and then eventually it comes up and it doesn't feel like a lie. It's just that no one really talks about that. You like a person and there you go. You know, you, um, you make a really good point because so, um, I met somebody, <laughs> this is just going to come out on the podcast. I met somebody at the pool level. Last weekend. Oh, is that where you met him? Oh, nice. I love it. I was just texting with Lauren, guys. You're not missing out on information. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, I met this person at the pool. I went to, I paid for a day pass to go to 
on the Roosevelt Island pool, which is a, um, a community pool. So it wasn't as sketchy as like a, a public pool in COVID for those of you that are worried. Um, COVID, met, it sounds like I it's a town on Long Island. <laughs> and, you know, in COVID. <laughs> the, same, the same thing, like you don't know each other's age. And like, part of me was like, oh my God, he's totally in his twenties. Um, I later found out that he's 33, which is in my window of okayness. But I was thinking about this, like if I had met this person on a dating app and I saw that he's 33 and stuff like that, I want had, would I have swiped? Yes. Yeah. So it's just a whole different thing. Like I, um, I just feel sort of a connection to someone when I meet them. That's just very different from an app. And I'm not saying that other people don't, but it's just very strong with me. And it's always been the way it is. Um, But going back to what you were saying about sort of changing, you know, I guess pulling a Costanza, you know, like going the opposite of what you're doing, it not being sort of who you are. Because I tried that too in the sense that I thought, well, maybe I'm not being sort of sexually aggressive enough at the beginning. I'm a little bit, um, not necessarily like like I'm a prude, which I've talked to Neil about this. Um, I just, you know, I have a certain number of dates. And I just, it just makes me feel, I want to get to know someone and feel comfortable. And it's a trust issue. I know it's a trust issue. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's just how you operate. Exactly. And I'm fine with that. But that is the way I operate. But there was a point in my late twenties where I was like, well, this is not working for me. And the laughable part is, is that what I think was, is that I'm not usually attracted to that kind of man anyway. So I blew like, like, oh my God, I blew. That sounded terrible. (laughs) Well, finish the sentence. It sounds terrible until you finish the sentence. Who um, did you blow? I blew the chance. I blew the oh, chance. Okay. <laughs> um, I think because like like there were some people that I got to know, like doing a show or something, or I met them somewhere, and then like we flirted like crazy, and then I finally like I was the one that asked them out instead of waiting for them to ask me out. Invited them over to my place. I made the first move, and then all of a sudden it was like you know I think we should just be friends. And it was like what happened to all the flirting? But you know here's the thing, Lauren, that I'm like especially aware of that women will blame themselves up, down, and sideways for things not working. See, now I feel like we're in therapy because everything you're like, it's not your fault, Lauren. It's not your fault. I'm not even just telling you this to make you feel better. This is a, this is something that I have uh, realized that I am aware of, especially by doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that women operate, we are overanalyzers. We are overthinkers. We are multitaskers. Yes. You know, we are, our brain is going like 60 times faster than men. Just sort of, I, I, I want to say biologically, that sounds really condescending. <laughs> Neil, you, Neil, you can come at me later. But you know what I mean? It's just like, that is, that is, that is generally how the difference between men and women, like it is, and especially in dating, I think it works against us because we are more apt to overanalyze how the whole date went. Oh my God, I said that wrong. And also take on the responsibility of, um, of, of things not working out. Like, uh, was it my fault that I said that? Oh, Oh my God, I shouldn't have worn that. Or I shouldn't have said that thing. Or he really doesn't like me. And, and what I'm, trying to forgive myself for is that all of that is a, is self-constructed criticism. It's not real. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, because absolutely. at the end of the day, we don't really have control over another person. So trying in our heads to figure out what we could have done so that the outcome was different is it's a fool's game. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And this is sort of more me talking from my like late twenties point of view, but what, what the point I wanted to make was, is that it showed me that's not who I am. Changing, changing myself and my approach is just changing who I am. And that's not authentic. 
And we would hope to fall in love with someone who is authentic. And so therefore that's not the person for me probably. So it, it, it was one of those things where just it reminded me of what you said. It was like, oh, I'm going to try something different of what of my approach. And it just makes me laugh because what mostly probably happened was it it made it seem to someone that I was not what they were looking for when maybe I was. Now, that's not saying that that's the truth. It could have been anything. I don't know what's happening in this person's head, but it just makes me laugh. It's it's almost like the idea as actors where, like I used to do career coaching for actors and people would be like, should I dye my hair? Should I, should I do this? Should I do that? And I would be like, okay, so you're gonna become a blonde and then they're gonna need a brunette. Like what can I do to make yeah. myself the perfect package for someone else instead of coming from an organic place that is authentically you? Exactly. And I think that that and that also is something that happened with being sick, because when you're sick, you're you. It's interesting, like everything starts to sort of slow down and you don't realize it. And it's and it's something I started to realize when I started getting better again, like all of a sudden, you know, I would be late to things because I my concept of time was off you know, or I uh, misunderstood the time I was supposed to be there with the time that um, I was actually supposed to leave the house. And that just happened once. But the idea that I was like, why is it taking me so long to get out of the house in the morning is because I was slower. And when you get out of that, you, you kind of realize how precious time is. And also just like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like I almost died. And that's also a great way, I think, to sort of go through life to be like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna second guess myself. I'm not going to blame myself for these things. You know, um, I'm going to find someone who I feel comfortable with and I, whose company I enjoy and I'm not going to compromise. Yes, absolutely. I'm like nodding my head. You can't see me, but yeah. absolutely. And good for you. But, you know, and it, and that's something I think maybe a lot of people are going through right now with this, this pandemic and this quarantine. And it, it, you know, it's just interesting to me. Like I almost feel like I had a little dry run and I see what everybody's going through. Um, I mean, I remember when it, it first started and um, I, people in the industry I know were like, oh, well, I'm, I'm still prepping my stuff and I'm going to get new headshots and I'm doing this. And and I'm just sort of in my head, not, I mean, not literally laughing at them, but just being like, oh, just wait, because I, I had already been to the denial phase. I, I, I had been there. You know, where I was like, I, I don't need to go to the hospital. I'm fine. I'm just going to go to this audition and it's going to be fine. No, Lauren, I, you're not eating anything. You should probably go to the hospital. I'm fine. I'm not dying. No, it's fine. I'm just going to, I got to do all these things. Like I can't stop doing these things. And it was, and I wasn't a person who didn't go to the doctor. You know, I mean, I didn't have health insurance at the time, which didn't help. But like it, your body goes into shock. And I saw everyone around me just, I was like, all right. And then the next time we talked, it was like, oh yeah, like they got it. Um, it's interesting. Also the same thing with all of the hand washing because I'm on a medication that suppresses my immune system. <laughs> You're like, let me tell you how this is. Let me go. tell you how this works. So Touch how do point. you, how do you come out of that phase? Like, and you know, I, I feel like we are starting to progress a little bit out mm -hmm. of it because you can go outside to have dinner or drinks or meet someone it's like a little more socially acceptable to like go on dates again but we're not there a hundred percent so you know how what have you learned from your process about how to navigate coming out of this time i feel like i've learned that in-person human contact is in-person human contact and particularly with the the opposite sex that you are attracted to i should say 
So maybe not opposite sex, but the sex that you were attracted to. Because something that I also started to see was, that's. let me start with this. What makes this different than when I was sick before was I was going to work when I could. So I was with people. And the first part of this that when I was like, oh, I'm used to this, I'm going to do this, that sort of hit my heart was, oh, I miss people. Now, I know that's something that everyone has, has experienced. That's not a new thing. But it reminded me of when um, I worked at this box office and um, I was feeling a little bit better, but I was still a bit sick. And this gentleman came up and he wanted good seats. So he was a little flirty. And I had not flirted with someone, a man, in a very, very long time. And it felt so good. And I didn't realize how good it felt until he walked away. And I went, oh, I really need to start dating. <laughs> but it was just so fascinating to me that I even missed that. That I even, it was just the idea of a man talking to me with a smile on his face, saying something nice that made my heart sink. They go, oh, like the body needs this. Like it, it's on like sort of like a cellular level. And, um, I, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for it yet because, um, although I did have COVID, so, you know, hopefully, in fact, Neil knows everything about it. You should talk to Neil about COVID and we'll know if we have antibodies. Um, but that aside, <clears throat> uh, I think you can't unfortunately be fearful enough to not have human contact right now. Now, that being said, we are in New York and we are very lucky right now that we are doing very well and we can do that. So I don't want to say that to someone to go out and put themselves in danger in a, in a city in the United States, particularly that is not doing as well as New York. Right. Um, and, and listen, face, FaceTime and zoom can definitely help to a degree, but at a certain point, I think you have, when it's, when you're ready, you have to remind yourself that human contact is just as important as food. And it's just like when you have a newborn baby and they recommend that the baby, you know, do touch time with the husband because they weren't in the husband's belly and how important that is. And that can affect a baby at the beginning of their life if they don't have that sort of touch. Um, you know, whether we're talking about literal touch, which is also very important, or just being in someone's presence, I... I, you don't realize how important that is until you literally just don't have it. And here's the thing, you know, now is great because everyone's in the same situation. When I was sick, it was just me. And unfortunately, you know, you have your core group of friends who maybe know what's happening. Um, and it did definitely teach me to be more open. You know, I was sort of taught like, oh, well, no one really wants to know your problems kind of a thing. So it definitely taught me to be more open. But you still have sort of that peripheral circle of friends who after a while, they just stop checking in with you. They stop seeing if you're okay. They assume that you're fine. Um, and it's, I think, human nature. Also, some people, you should check in on your friends that you haven't talked to in a while that you know may be having problems. I think that's important. Um, but people just kind of started making plans without me because they're used to me not being there. Yeah. So at least now everybody's in the same boat. It's, it's a little bit harder for me to get, or the, anyone hopefully, to get sort of lost from human contact. But uh, being sick sort of taught me that how much you really need it. And I want to go back to 
you mentioned this very quickly, but I want to come back to it in case people don't know the word that you used. Yeah. You defined yourself as demisexual. Yes. Um, which for those of you guys, if you've never heard this word before, or if it's a concept you're not familiar with, it's, it's a defined as a sexual orientation where people only experience sexual attraction to folks that they have close emotional connections with. So in other words, demisexual people only experience sexual attraction after an emotional bond has already been formed. So, and if I may say there are degrees of it, of course, like, as like personally me, I, it doesn't mean that I can't be like, I don't think someone is attractive or, but there, I just want people to know that there's like a level of it. It's not like it's like all or nothing. Right. Right. But I think it's yeah. important that you bring this up, like, especially with COVID and especially with healing after a time from being sick and being removed from your social center, that like, this is something that we don't talk about in terms of dating enough, which Absolutely. is the, the quality of the emotional connection. Um, you know, it's like you, you compliment me for just like going out and getting there, but like uh, that is what was missing the entire time. I was just meeting people for the sake of meeting people. I wasn't invested in them. I wasn't excited to meet them. I was like literally filling a quota so that I couldn't be called picky. And the problem with that is that you're missing that emotional core, which is the whole freaking reason we want to connect yeah. with another human, another human being to find an intimate connection to um, make us feel the feelings that you're talking about that need to be there, but we don't often acknowledge that are missing. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, it's a. Uh... It's also in terms of literally not something that's talked about a lot. I wish that I had known more about this because I think that if I was aware of it earlier, I wouldn't have been so hard on myself and I would have known the best avenues for me instead of just going, well, it's just me and men don't like me and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm socially awkward and stuff like that. Uh, it sort of reminds me of like, I'm dyslexic. Now I had always told people, well, I'm learned disabled and I think I probably have a little dyslexia because of the stuff I saw on TV. When I got that word and was able to read everything about dyslexia, it was so freeing to me. Whereas it felt like they had put me in a cage because the more I knew about myself, the better that I can advocate for myself and be a better me. Words are important, I feel. I think Carrie Fisher said something like that and I'm blanking on the, the quote, but um, words are freeing. Labels can be freeing, you know, in a way because you are able to identify yourself and be true to yourself and learn more about that. And actually a friend of mine years before this said to me, I think you're demisexual. And I looked it up and was like, no, it's not me. Because I didn't understand there were degrees of it. I was like, I'm attracted to people. That's ridiculous. Like, I, I, I didn't understand. And I had forgotten she had said that to me. And when I came to terms with it, she's one of my best friends, I sent her a text and I was like, I really think this is me. And she goes, yeah, I told you that six years ago. <laughs> well, okay, friend. But honestly, like when I Great. when I hear that definition, like I think that is most women. I felt ridiculous at first saying it because people were just like, well, not people. Like in general, it sounds like, oh, well, that's just the way women are, you know. But I I, I think to a degree, yes, what you're saying is correct. But also, um, you know, like here here's I'm not sure if I'll leave this in, but let me say this. Okay, so here's an example. I used to joke that I went through puberty late because I don't really think I had a normal puberty to most people. I didn't really have a lot of sexual interest until I was much older. 
Now that could just be experience because I was very nerdy. I didn't have any friends. I didn't go, I didn't get it. I didn't kiss someone until college. You know, that's another thing too. I'm sort of behind everybody. I feel like, um, and looking back on that, I think it's a little strange. I, all of most of the people that I know, except for friends of mine that consider themselves ace had sort of that sexual awakening when they went through puberty. Am I wrong about this? But that I'm basing this based on my friends. Impossible to say. I mean, if you really wanted to like look into the stats, I'm sure, yeah, you're looking at a tiny, tiny um, window example that existed in, in our social norm, if mm-hmm. you want to call it that, in public high school in suburban New Jersey. Yeah. And also in college. You want to talk about the fucking patriarchy. That is such a patriarchal idea that like yeah, at some point in your high school years, four years, you're supposed to have X, Y, Z. You're supposed to be straight. You're supposed to be married by the age of 30. No, I'm going to get started on that. <laughs> Who even put these ideas in, in our head in the first place? I mean, we know, right? But we, we're, we're trying to dismantle all of that. Like there's no usual. There's no supposed to. There's no your wrong or you're abnormal do you know what i mean like your path is your path your boundaries are your boundaries and we have this horrible past of comparing that sexual history which is exceptionally personal um to others which i think is the root and the stem of a lot of sexual pain and relationship pain Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that's the thing also like i've had a lot of trust issues in my life and it, it could could be down to trust you know that being said you know, I look back at um, my obsession with Pirates of Penzance as a child and look at all of the hot pants the men are wearing and go, oh, yes, I've always been heterosexual, even in kindergarten. Oh, <laughs> what? I don't even know where to start with that one. If you're sexual awakening, you for Pirates of Penzance, like. No, but that's the thing. I wouldn't call it a sexual awakening. I would just say I watched that movie a lot. And now as an adult, I went back and saw it recently. And I, and, and I watched the scene where I where Kevin Klein just like jumps up and down in these leather pants and I went oh oh my god (laughs) I'm just I'm I think maybe maybe I have to go back and watch that and just um try to see it from your point of view I mean I would say I and I and after that I would I would see everything Kevin Klein was in like through college I was super into Kevin Klein but I didn't think of it as anything sexual at the time I did not at all you got those Um, fire pants on man in fact can I tell you, this is, this is a funny story. I remember in fifth grade, all the girls were obsessed with Kurt Cameron. Yeah, obviously, duh. Yeah, and I, and I did not think he was attractive. He's not. So this is why the story is funny, though. And I literally have a memory of sitting on the steps of my, you know, my parents' house on the steps with my mother, being really sad and asking her if something was wrong with me because I didn't find Kurt Cameron attractive. <laughs> And she went, no, nothing is wrong. <laughs> She's like, you're advanced for your age. <laughs> but the thing, I mean, the thing, I mean, I, that's the thing. Like I, you know, I, I, I definitely liked Harrison Ford, but I didn't have sexual thoughts about him, but I definitely thought he was cute. Um, so I was like, for, I did like older men, but um, the crazy part is, is that talk about peer pressure. I then put a poster of Kirk Cameron on my wall thinking that if I put the poster on my wall, I would like him like all the other girls did. And I would be cool. I, we all did that. Like in my own private home. In my own private home, I put a picture of someone that I had no interest in. Yeah, I did that with um, New Kids on the Block. Like you were supposed to be, you were supposed to pick one of the New Kids on the Block that you liked the best. Ugh. 
they were ugly. I picked Sorry. one. I picked like a random one that nobody else picked because no one else picked him. Like I just wanted to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's like, again, that's just part of society. And, and you're right, a peer pressure system and part of America. Yeah. But we're getting we're I getting guess better. I, yeah. Anyway, I guess by then I I, I was a little more honest because uh, they made fun of me because I didn't I didn't think any of them were attractive. I didn't find any of them interesting. The music music was bad. <laughs> I did like Debbie Gibson, though. So maybe not so ahead of my time. No, n- n- Debbie Gibson was queen. She was queen. Um, I want to I want to check in with Neil and see if like any of this is resonating with you. Neil, are you still with us? I am with you. Well, first of all, I I have to say um, the uh, Pirates of Penzance pants. Yes. I I, I think we had a very similar awakening. Yes. (laughs) What is this? Watch their heads up being like a huge Reddit thread. You don't understand. There's literally a scene where they just go like up and down on their like. They're just really tight leather pants. I, I, I completely agree, and I, I was thoroughly enthralled with them. In case you can't tell, the, the voice of the patriarchy today is, is very gay. So. <laughs> Listen, apparently the the pants of the of the pirates were like sort of an all appreciative, fun <laughs> on all genders and all sexualities. They Absolutely, how can you not pay attention when he jumps up and down? Oh, yes. My goodness, how could you the, not? The cat- the cat scene, right? The cat song scene. That's Absolutely. what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Oh. What, what is even happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> this is why Neil and I are friends. Absolutely. <laughs> Going back to topic. <laughs> so we don't end up having a, like a hijack of Pirates and Penzance episode. Um <laughs> Going back to my original question, Neil, yeah, what is anything that uh, we've said so far? Has anything sort of resonated with you and your relationship experience or your developmental experience? Well, you know, it, it's interesting what you said about the the demisexual comment. That's something that I, I've, I've heard Lauren talk about recently. And my, as a kind of outsider and someone who relates to both uh, women as friends as opposed to someone I'm attracted to, but I also get the male insider view of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the description of what I've read about demisexual seems to be what most of my female straight friends relate to me as, as being how they are attracted to people in general, So, which is an interesting concept. You know, it, 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 I, I find that my, my straight female friends will they don't seem to in general of course i'm generalizing um they seem to need that uh emotional kind of component to find a sexual attraction at least my friends Mm -hmm. and uh, among my male friends both straight and gay it's kind of like yeah that's a great thing and there's a deeper connection if there is an emotional connection but I can also be attracted to someone and just like just really want them. Isn't that so, so interesting? I really agree with you. I, I've just found like across the board, the female experience is, is emotionally based. Um, I hate to mm-hmm. also be an asshole, but like at my age, I don't find most men attractive. <laughs> <laughs> like most of the guys my age, I just turned 40 this year. I They're they're on the way down. And they're just not hot anymore. They were hot I'm at 25. I'm telling you, an eight year difference does it. As a 42-year-old man, I, I agree. You. They're just, and so that's part of the problem. I'm just like, oh, these guys are just like not hot anymore, which is just horrible. But that this point is, aside. Oh, 
if I may, something I just remembered that I, I think might help explain. And and again, and I, I'm not speaking for other people who are de who feel demisexual because it is it is definitely a um, uh, a degree a degree, you know, um, based on on myself. But I read an article that a woman wrote, which was felt the most like, oh yes, like as opposed to reading definitions, you know, actually reading something written by a woman who was going through the process of discovering this. One of the big things that she said that I've also read in other things was the difference was when she was younger, particularly, she had crushes on uh, characters in television and movies as opposed to the oh. actors. Now, not being said, that's why I want to preface this because there, there is a whole internet fandom of people attracted to imaginary characters. I'm not saying that this is exclusive and the most of, and it's, it's very female populated, a lot of fandom, right? So I don't mm -hmm. want, I want to preface that I'm not saying again, like we're saying that this is only a demisexual thing, but that was something that really felt very honest to me. So as a child, I was more interested in Indiana Jones and Han Solo than I was with Harrison Ford because I didn't know him. So those are little things going back that I go, oh, this makes so much more sense. You know, just like when I heard the word dyslexic and I read stuff, I was like, oh yeah, this is, this is the word I've been looking for all my life. I always wanted um, to snuggle with Edith Bunker, but that was just me. Oh, well, she's sweet. <laughs> how do you, how do you sort of align yourself, Neil? Do you think you're a person that looks for physical attributes to be there first, or are you seeking sort of more emotional components? You know, it depends on what I'm looking for. Um, if it, in terms of, someone I'm looking to build a lasting relationship with, uh, it definitely the emotional connection has to be the first thing. And I don't even get to anything physical uh, in terms of physical attraction until I've gotten to know that person quite a bit. But there's the other side of my personality, which is, is a purely physical thing. And I say, oh, I just want this person in, in a physical way. Uh, doesn't mean that we're not going to be friendly and I'm, I'm not going to have conversations and I, I want to be able to communicate with someone well. But it, it's kind of like a dichotomy. But in terms of dating someone, I, I you know, if I when I go through an app, I think I wind up picking someone I, whose eyes are just stand out, who's just physically gorgeous to me. But in real life... <laughs> In, in, in real life, meeting someone face to face, I find out I choose something completely different. You bring up something important, and like this has come up on the podcast before, is like that is what the problem with the apps are, is mm -hmm. that we're finding, especially when we're talking specifically about heterosexuals, is that men are looking um, for, at women um, as a picture, so they're evaluating their attractiveness, mm. but women are seeking a connection with words, with um, mm -hmm. bio descriptions, and so there's a, a disconnect on that apps where we're just using them differently. They're different languages that men and women have to fulfill their needs. Well, it's like the age thing, right? The This is the same thing with the age thing. You would date someone of any age that you met, probably. So so to speak, I know there's a range. Um, and it wouldn't even come up, like I said. Mm. I was So I was curious, Neil, if you just yes. felt like if that was more of a, I don't know, male experience that men were in general... Um, more driven, not defined by demisexual, demisexuality. I, I, def I would definitely say that in, in my experience from both my, my gay and straight male friends, there's very much, um, it's, I think it's very much a, a, a physical attraction firstly, whether that's good or bad. 
I, 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 I've never, I, I think every demisexual person I've ever encountered has actually been female. And that, that's just my experience. I'm sure there are male demisexuals. Right, right. But um, I personally have not met any. I mean, yeah. my instinct would say the same. Yeah. With Lauren talking about, well, obviously Lauren had a very significant health issue that she is mm. wonderfully, thankfully, gratefully coming out of right now. And she compared that experience to what we've all been experiencing COVID. Oh. Did any of that resonate with you? Or are you struggling in COVID to... Well, well... It resonated with me in many levels. Well, Lauren and I actually, one of the experiences we've shared as friends is that we, we had similar health issues. Oh, no way. Okay. Yes. Uh, our mine have not been nearly as severe as, as hers have been. Um, so we, we related in that way for long before COVID. Um, but I, I, I agree. I think that both she and I have both been pre- better prepared for this than a lot of people in terms of dealing with relationships with others. And, and learning to cope and, and learning to 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 be alone uh, against your will, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what a great way to say it. Oh, absolute. Oh, that's yeah. the best. Yeah, against your will. Yeah, because well, some, sometimes you want to be alone, and that's a choice. I mean, but now there's there's no choice, and sometimes it's okay, and sometimes you feel like you want to. Your head wants to explode. It's such an interesting dichotomy, both because of your both of your forced health situations and now COVID, um, and we're talking about this nice triangle of like wanting to like no needing to meet people in real life oh, yeah. in order mm-hmm. to because that's how your your sexual system operates. Oh yeah, it's just this like uh, I don't even know what I'm trying to say here, but I just think it's so interesting. I guess that you've been handed these situations that have forced you to navigate when really what you want to be doing Lauren and Neil you as well is like is meeting people in real life oh my goodness yes I'm just curious from both of you how this year has changed if at all maybe not at all but how this year has maybe changed the way you view your dating life and your dating experience oh I think it's changed mine significantly I mean if you don't mind me starting I um, I think before the pandemic occurred, um, I also had COVID, so that really shook me as well. Um, I think before the pandemic occurred, I was very often looking for what I thought I wanted. And I think during the pandemic, I had time to reflect on what I actually want. And they don't necessarily match. <laughs> So I, 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 I've adjusted some of my profiles on some of the apps I'm on to tell people what I really want. And I really wasn't aware that, I, that that's what I wanted until this came along. Can you share what you feel like you want with us? Uh, uh, well, I think uh, maybe it's also a factor of aging. It's the fact that I, I've had health problems. I, my profiles previously were, it would be nice to meet someone for a relationship, but I just kind of casually want to date and hang out and have fun. Not that I don't want to hang out and have fun anymore, but it's very clear that now I'm, when I'm uh, meeting people, um, I'm, I'm looking for possibly something more, something beyond a casual boyfriend or a casual fling, maybe someone who could be a partner, um, and for a long time, I wasn't looking for that. I, I was I was happy with being 
not alone, but being, I was happily single. It's so hard because I just feel like I'm back at the same place where I was before. Mm. You know, and it, 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 and this is also about a trust, you know, talk about all my trust issues, like we're in therapy, but, you know, um, trusting that someone is telling you the truth about uh, their exposure or, uh, you know, I mean, Neil always tells me to look at the numbers and I always have to remember that, right? Look at the numbers, not, not, you know, your fear. I'm a data whore. I always go to the numbers, go to the numbers. Uh, And we're doing really well, right? We're doing like ridiculously well. That's what the numbers say. (laughs) Um, But it's also hard because it's not like I'm going back to something that I was doing in February. So Mm. it feels even more of a, um, a push, but also, uh, I'm tired of dragging my feet and not that I was dragging my feet before. I really feel like I had to be in a good place mentally and physically. Um, but I, I'm a little more eager now once, once I feel comfortable, which I don't necessarily feel comfortable yet. Uh, I mean, I can't even see my nephews right now. So, you know, um, mm. I think that once I do feel ready, I think that I will probably be a little more active than uh than I was I think I'd be more open to opportunities to meeting people whereas before I was just kind of like kind of gave up for Mm. a little bit even before I got sick it sort of felt like well it's just not gonna happen which is stupid and ridiculous but you know you feel defeatist sometimes um when it's it's so personal it's the most personal thing there is you know um, and when you're an actor, you know, then you have you have other personal things that are going on where as much as you can't say that it's you, you are being rejected. And so to be rejected in your personal life and to be rejected in your professional life, it got a little too much. It's a lot. <laughs> um, but that being said, I, I think that um, I, I think that it, it, it makes me see, you know, on top of being ill, I don't I think that if it was just quarantine that I wouldn't feel this way. Of just like a writer ready, I'd like to get on with the rest of my life, and life is short. I I think you're you're right in that you you said it briefly that like you felt like we had all restarted. So wherever everyone was at in their dating life or what they thought what they were doing, like we all kind of reset. Mm. And Neil, you said it right. Like people have spent this time reevaluating what what exactly am I doing? What exactly do I want with my life sort of across the board, not just in dating, I think with work, I think with Mm -hmm. family, with leaving New York City, realizing they're not happy here. Absolutely. Um, So I I think like as horrible as it's been, as as hard as it's been for all of us, I think there's a lot of uh, real positive change that can come. And I think there's a lot of hope that is is present and hearing it in your voices is really, it makes me feel good too, that you guys are both hopeful about what can what can happen next? I am. I'm hopeful for it's, it's um, for my personal life. I'm actually very hopeful. I don't know about the rest of the world, but in terms of my personal life, I actually feel hopeful for the first time in a long time because of this reset. I think that's a lovely note to end on, guys. Before we start talking about how disillusioned we are with dating, <laughs> let's let's end on hope, shall we? <laughs> um, <laughs> I want to thank you guys both so so much for um, coming on this podcast, Neil. Especially you, not knowing me, just trusting me with your story. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's very personal to all of us and you, especially Lauren, just like sharing all that, um, your history, um, your vulnerability with me and with listeners. Like, I really hope it helps other people define what they 
want and what they are looking for and not be uh, embarrassed to ask for it as well. Thank you for having me. Thank you again for being here. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will catch you next time.